Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. It is great to see each one of you here. My name's Aaron, and I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater, and we are really thankful and excited to be able to celebrate Christmas with you guys here this evening. Um, Christmas is a pretty incredible celebration, wouldn't you say? Okay, at least one person is convinced. Good. Thank you. Yeah, Christmas is an incredible celebration. I mean, think about it. Think about all the things that we have. We have Christmas music, right? That starts, for some of you, in October, and you are crazy. But that's what happens. We have Christmas lights. Any of you driven around and seen any of the lights? Okay, a couple of you are not Scrooges. That's good. Okay. Uh, Atzenango Park, yes, no, anybody? Driving around, seeing the lights there, it's great. We have, we have Christmas gatherings with family, and most of that's pretty fun, right? You know, okay? We have, we have gifts, we have food, we even have Christmas cookies, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, wow, somebody is excited about the cookies. I appreciate that. Listen, we have all of those things. But if you really stop and think about the Christmas story, it would probably make you pause and go, what in the world are we doing having a celebration around events like this? Because the reality is that the, the Christmas story is a really, really unlikely story, and it's filled with a lot of things that would make you go, hmm... I'm not so sure about that. But here's what I found. As I've looked at the Christmas story and, and then experienced, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly in my own life, I have found that unlikely events tend to produce some pretty incredible celebrations if we allow them to grow. I mean, think, think about it with me for just a minute. Okay, I'll share a couple of uh, uh, stories just from my, my own life. I spent, my, my, my family and I lived for about 20 years in, in Kansas City, and last year, the Kansas City Chiefs played in the Super Bowl, okay? A couple of you are Chiefs fans. Everybody said the Eagles, you know, that East Coast team, everybody said the Eagles would beat the Chiefs. I thought the Eagles were going to win. We even had Eagles fans in our house for that game. That was, that was dangerous. And then, and then something very unlikely the Chiefs won, and it created such an incredible celebration that even Philadelphia was celebrating by rioting their own town. I'm telling you, okay? It, it was great. <laughs> Not to mention, I mean, since we're talking about, about football uh, I, and talking about unlikely things, I came across a picture the other day of something highly unlikely. This is a, a New York Jets World Championship ring. The last time anyone saw the, one of these was 1968. You can imagine, because it's highly unlikely that the Jets will ever win again, you can imagine what the celebration would be like, right? Okay, apparently you're all Jets fans. I get it. <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, here's what I found. I have found that unlikely good events, like things that we don't expect, Unlikely good events produce incredible celebrations, but unlikely bad events 
causes confusion, sometimes pain and sorrow. About seven years ago, our neighbors, their names were Ashley and Noah, had walked through several rounds of IVF trying to get pregnant. And each round, painful as it was, resulted in pain, pain, and more pain. Because each round failed. And one day they came over and they talked to us and they, they, I remember the day uh, Ashley came over and she knocked on the door and she, she, she said, hey, you guys are kind of like God people, right? <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess you could say that. She goes, well, um, do you think that you could pray for us because we're down to our last two eggs and this is our last round? And it just doesn't seem like anything's going to change. You want to talk about pressure. So my wife and I started praying. And we prayed with them. And, and the weeks and the, the months went by. And we began to wonder. But I'm telling you, it was highly, highly unlikely. They, they had experienced pain and grief and difficulty all along the way. And the Christmas story is filled with some things like that as well. As we look at it here tonight, I just wonder if quite possibly some of the things that show up that are painful in people's lives have showed up in, in your life, things like grief. I wonder if this year there's been some things that have brought you grief. And sometimes when those things come in to our story, we don't know what to do with them. We wonder what in the world is going on and we, we try to fit it in, but it feels a little bit like trying to fit it in on this tiny little Christmas tree. And then some things like sickness or problems with health come in and we wonder what in the world is going on here and we try to fit it in and it, it doesn't seem to fit and maybe for you... There's been something like this one this year, divorce, and you're just trying to figure out what in the world is going on. I didn't expect this. It was unlikely. How in the world could anything good come of this? How in the world could anything good come of Ashley and Noah going through round after round after round of IVF? Well, the Christmas story gives us some insight into that because this story is filled with similar pains. You see, in Luke chapter 1, we find out that an angel shows up and talks to a woman. Her name was Mary. And he, he tells her that she's going to get pregnant, but she's like, hey, wait a minute. Um, yeah, that, that, that's not possible and she says, how is that going to happen? And in verse 35 of Luke chapter 1, the angel explains. He says this. He replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Here's, here's the thing that shows up that's highly unlikely in the Christmas story. Not only is there a pregnancy like one that's never happened before. 
But the angel tells her God himself is going to come as a tiny baby. You want to talk about unlikely things? You want to talk about things that don't seem to make sense? God, the king of the universe, the creator of the universe, coming in a tiny little package. Not not like big and bad and strong and powerful, but someone who can't even feed himself, who can't even change his own diaper, can't even take care of himself. Not only that, the scripture tells us that Mary's fiancé was so nervous about what's going on that he decided to quietly divorce her. You you talk about pain. What is God up to? How could he bring anything good from this? Then the scripture goes on and tells us in in Luke chapter 2 that the, the child was born... And when he was born, uh, more unlikely events occurred. In verse 7, the scripture tells us she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, and she laid him in a, in a manger. Not, didn't set him on a throne, didn't give him a, a, a crown, didn't wrap him in a robe, didn't pronounce him to the world as king of the universe. She wrapped him up in these strips of cloth just to keep him warm, and she laid him in an animal's feeding trough. That doesn't seem to make sense. That doesn't seem to make sense at all. You want to talk about unlikely? I mean, God came as a baby and then he was placed in an animal's feeding trough. The story gets even more crazy because it tells us about other people starting to find out that, that, that Jesus had come. In Matthew chapter 2, we find out that, that a powerful man in the land heard about Jesus. In verse 1, it says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, and they were asking a question. Here's the question. They were saying, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. But here's the thing about King Herod. King Herod was the kind of guy that you didn't want to mess around with. King Herod was the kind of guy that if he thought you were trying to steal his throne, he was going to take your life. And so he got really, really upset. Verse 3 says this, King Herod was deeply disturbed, and when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem, See, when Herod got disturbed, you got disturbed because you knew that he was about to do something crazy. Here's here's the the part of the story that just doesn't seem to make sense. Here's a full-grown man who's a king, who has the power of, of all the land at his disposal, and this king of Israel is terrified that Jesus shows up. This king is terrified of this tiny tiny baby. And then the unthinkable happened. In verse 16, it tells us this. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. See, he told the wise men to come back and tell them where Jesus was, but they, they received word from God to not do that, and so they went home a different direction. So what did he do? He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. 
I don't understand that. Do you? I, I don't get when I look at that or when I look at this grief or when I look at this divorce or when I look at this sickness, I don't get how God is weaving this together. But what I find in the Christmas story is that God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Because you see, here's the thing. The unlikely events that surround the Christmas story and the the unlikely events that Jesus endured were all for you. When you look at the the life of Jesus, when you you see what he went through, when you look at not only his, his upbringing and his birth, but when you look at his ministry, when you look at his time here on earth, when you look at how he was mocked, how he was, how he was, you know, not believed, how how people rejected him, and then ultimately it culminating in his death on a Roman cross, his burial in an empty tomb, and his resurrection three days later. All of that was for you. That's the reality. And for me, a man named Paul, about 20 years after Jesus' death, wrote this. He said, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. See, here's the thing. We've, we've sinned, and it has a consequence. My sin has a consequence, and ever since humanity started, all the way back with Adam, that's what he's talking about, sin has been causing problems. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. You want to talk about something unlikely? You want to know why Christmas is so big and we have lights and food and gifts and we, why do we, why do we do, why do we have the songs, why do we have the gatherings, why do we celebrate this, this crazy event with a baby and, and this is God and, and, you know, he's placed in a manger. Why do we celebrate that? This is why. God was starting something big. He was doing something for you so that you and I could be made right with him. See, here's what I'm convinced of. Unlikely events tend to produce incredible celebrations. A few months after Ashley and Noah came and asked us to pray, we got a knock on the front door. And when I looked out the door and I saw it was Ashley, I was a little nervous. She was standing on the front porch kind of just like this. And you know how you kind of read people's body language? We'd been praying. And I, I can't tell you how much we were just hoping that God would do something. We opened the door. And as soon as we did, she began jumping up and down. She said, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. And another six months after that, we got to meet this little guy. And do you know what his name is? His name is Pain. Pain. P-A-Y-N-E. Not that he's a pain. 
But you see what they went through. The grief, yeah. The pain, yeah. The fear, yeah. The anxiety, yeah. But God was working something, and God was also drawing Ashley back to himself. Let me show you Ashley and Noah and Payne today. Of course, they're Chiefs fans, okay? (laughs) Now, here's the thing. What if this Christmas, in the midst of the things that you are walking through, what if in the midst of the things that don't seem to make sense, the things that you've experienced over the course of this last year, maybe you've even just experienced over the course of this last month, what if God is actually trying to accomplish something powerful? Because you see, I put these on this tree, and, and, and these don't fit. They don't seem to make sense. But let's just imagine this, that this tree were a real tree and that over time this tree would grow. Let's just imagine that this tree would look a little bit like this tree eventually. Does anybody know what tree this is? This is a tree that was harvested right here in Vestal just a few months ago. And then it was taken someplace really, really special. It was taken to Rockefeller Center and is now the Christmas tree. In fact, here's a little bit uh, of what it looks like right now, you know? And if we took a bulb like this or a bulb like this and we placed it on this giant Christmas tree and lit it up, it would look like it was meant to be there. It would look like it has a purpose. It's just sometimes God has to grow us. So I wonder, I wonder what God is doing in your life right now. I wonder where he is stretching and growing and telling a powerful story that right now doesn't feel good and doesn't feel likely. But yet, he's doing something powerful. Because here's what I know. Unlikely events... Even the hard ones produce incredible celebrations if we trust God with them. I wonder, would you consider trusting God? Would you consider trusting him? I don't know the things that you are walking through, but I do know the God who allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. I know him. And I know he loves you. Christmas says so. So what I want to do is I want to pray. And I want to invite you to pray with me. I wonder if you would just talk to God here tonight. And ask him to help you to trust him. Maybe that this trust is kind of a first time trust where it's like, God, I want to trust that you actually know me and see me. I want to trust that Jesus actually came for me. Or maybe the trust is, God, I need to trust you with something that I don't understand. Whatever it is, I want to invite you to pray along with me. And I want you to know that God will hear you. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for Jesus. I pray... 
that as each of us are praying here tonight, you would hear us. Father, thank you for Jesus. We need him. I need him. I need forgiveness and deliverance from my sin. And I believe that Jesus has done it for me. Lord, I trust you. I don't understand all the things going on in my life or in these lives here tonight. I don't know why all the pain and all of the sorrow. But I do know that you see us. God, we give it to you. Please continue to grow us so that we can see what you are doing. We ask in Jesus' name.